I have found a philosophy that I have adopted and I'm trying on a daily basis to implement. It essentially is do less, but do it better. Welcome to the National Podcast of Texas. I'm Andy Langer. Let's get this out of the way. Most of the features about our guest, fitness entrepreneur Allie Davidson, in their headlines utilize some variation of runaway bride or runaway success. As the story goes, roughly 10 years ago, on her wedding day, without telling her fiance, she spent that morning at tryouts for TV's American Gladiator. A former athlete at Texas State, she did 14 pull-ups, ran a 40-yard dash at the tryouts, and then raced to the church without even showering before the ceremony. She got the show, then she won the season and teamed up with her husband to use the grand champion $100,000 payout to launch Camp Gladiator, which holds group workout classes outdoors in unconventional spaces and has evolved into a fitness industry game changer. With $42 million in revenue in 2017, 950 trainers, 75 full-time employees, and classes across six states, Camp Gladiator is now on Inc.'s roundup of fastest growing companies, and Davidson recently landed on Glassdoor's list of best CEOs. Our conversation, it's about the fitness business at large, and in her case, balancing family, a booming business, and religious values. This is Allie Davidson. Welcome. Thank you. So they they told me you had knee surgery. <laughs> yes. I was expecting you to come hobbling in here and I was going to feel good about myself because I could beat you in a leg race. <laughs> this is not the case. And apparently you've already taught two classes. Yes. Yeah, so had knee surgery two weeks ago. All right. Um, and it's my third knee surgery over the last nine years. Um, I've had, you know, wakeboarding accidents. I've had flag football accidents. And so this last knee surgery was to kind of clean up the knee, had another torn meniscus, cartilage damage so just had to go in there and clean it up but yeah I've been on crutches uh like you know last week was on crutches and I'm like time to ditch the crutches I gotta go too many things to do <laughs> so yeah I let a workout yesterday and the day before <laughs> how much of fitness in general is about injury prevention yeah wow that's a great question I think when you're young you don't have to think about that stuff right like when you're in your 20s you're pretty good. You're not getting injured too much, right? I think what happens to all of us um, is you start, you get a job, you start sitting a lot more, you start being a lot, a lot less active overall, and then you go out there maybe doing something that's like a weekend warrior type thing, thinking that you still have the body that you had five or ten years ago. Your mind still thinks that, and you go out there, and then before you know it, you know, you've, you've had an injury. And then once you've had an injury, it's hard because your body is just not quite the same. Like it might not be as strong. And so then you really do have to think about the injury prevention. And so like what we do at Camp Gladiators, we say, hey, we're for all fitness levels, go at your own pace. And if you have an injury, let's modify it. You know, don't do something that's gonna cause pain because then you're just gonna worsen it. But let's think of some alternatives that we can do, you know, some different, we call them success options so that you don't, you know, aggravate that injury. Uh, but every, everybody's going to have them. Like, you got to kind of expect that's part of life, especially as you get, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s. But I think that if you can stay in good shape and, and have your body be strong, um, you know, you can't always prevent an accident or injury, but you can come out of it a lot quicker, a lot more healthy if you're in good shape and strong before that kind of stuff happens. So, 
you called it a success option. Yeah. <laughs> How much of fitness and what you do is psychological, is messing yeah. with people's minds so that they are motivated to do this? <laughs> That's got to be a big part of this game. Probably 98%. Okay. Yeah. So us as trainers, you know, especially with CG, we try to be positive, encouraging, motivating, because if you look back on how a lot of us like grew up in fitness, it was usually like kind of in a negative place, like with a coach yelling at you or your parents making you do something, right? And so a lot of people almost have this negative association with fitness. And so we're trying to be like, hey, fitness is fun, right? I mean, you know, remember when you were a kid and you got to go to PE class and play all the games, like that stuff was fun. And so we try to bring that element back into the adult boot camp setting. Um, to make it engaging, make it fun, make it creative. Um, because Except the other... boot camp doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> right, right. That's probably like, not a good This whole industry term. is built upon a term <laughs> that doesn't sound like fun. That, that is very true. Yeah, yeah. And boot camp probably came from like a military type word. Right. Um, yeah, we're more, we try to describe ourselves as uh, adult outdoor group fitness. There you go. To, uh, to Again, avoid psychology. Word. Yes, yes. Right, right. Um, but, you know, the other thing is, like, most people, like, fitness is boring to them. They go to the gym, they jump on a machine, a treadmill, an elliptical, and they're just bored. Or they don't know what they're doing. And they walk around, they kind of do some exercises, but they're not really getting results from that, clearly. And so at CG, we try to keep it creative. So, like, every workout is different every day. Um, and, uh, you know, try to make it engaging where you're meeting, you know, teammates that you might be put on a team with or a partner just to just to make it more fun than the the normal you know fitness routine that most people are stuck in. In media, in entertainment, there's so many options now. You know, whereas people used to buy albums, now they have a Netflix subscription, and that's taking away from the time they used to listen to music, yeah. and they can stream all the music they need, so they're not buying albums. I imagine in fitness, Netflix is still your competitor. Because people could be spending time so many other ways <laughs> right. than doing this. Yeah. So you're not just competing with yoga and Pilates. Yeah. You're competing with Netflix. We're competing with a sedentary lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, everybody's competing with Netflix, right? <laughs> Everybody just wants to binge watch shows, right? Um, yeah, we're competing against people... You know, being complacent and not wanting to move and wanting to lay on the couch or, you know, wanting to, you know, or feeling the necessity to work more. Um, there's a lot of things that compete. But I think the thing that people realize is that they can never be the best version of themselves if they don't take care of the way that they feel. They don't take care of their health, their fitness, you know. And so um, people are going to you know, be in relationships with a spouse or with kids or go to work. And they want to feel good when they go do that stuff. And so I think that's the thing we have going for us is they know they need to do something. But, yeah, we have to fight that desire uh, that people have to not move. Right. And so that is one of the hardest things is getting people off the couch or getting them out of the bed early in the morning or convincing them to come after work and get their work out. And what they all say is when they come, they're so happy because they're more productive afterwards they get a smile on their face. They just feel better. So that's our goal. You've said you wanted this to be the Uber or Keller Williams of fitness. The idea there is to simplify it and make it easier, that initial entry point. Is that the idea? 
Yeah, so simplifying it is definitely one thing. The convenience factor is a huge part of it as well. Um, so, you know, our goal is for you to have to drive past 10 Camp Gladiator locations to go to the gym that's nearest you, right? Um, like as an example, in Austin, we have 600 locations that meet in churches and parking lots, at schools, I mean, you name it, right? Parks all over the city. And so that's a big part of it. The other part is the affordability of it. And so if we can keep it at a lower price point where the, the masses can afford it, where it's super convenient, um, to where it's a simple concept to, you know, to, to understand, and then to where really you go out there and you experience an amazing workout, but also this phenomenal trainer that cares about you, that's going to help hold you accountable in this environment that creates this community of friendships, right? And that, you know, ultimately that leads to peer accountability. That really is, is the whole package right there. Um, and we think, you know, other fitness companies or organizations, they might have components of that, but we're like, man, what if we bring all those things together? Well, let's go back to the 600 locations in Austin. <laughs> this is in some ways like an e-commerce situation where you don't need to have brick and mortar stores. Correct. Pay traditional rents, worry about location, Correct. et cetera. This model, you've popped these up everywhere. Right. You're paying park fees in some cases. Yes. And probably, I'm guessing, the churches, et cetera. Yes. But is that not the big advance here from business perspective? That is one of the huge advantages for sure. We don't have, you know, uh, a big box gym facility that we have the really expensive overhead rent to pay. That's huge. And the benefit really in that is that um, we can compensate our trainers better because of that. And so we're also able to draw in a better trainer because they can make, you know, they can really make a career with us out of fitness. But yes, not having any brick or, you know, brick and mortar places is huge for us. And when you, when you drive around, you notice how many spaces around the city are not being utilized, especially at 5 a.m. in the morning, <laughs> right? If you drive around any kind of shopping mall parking lot that's empty, that could like have people in it, we could be there. Um, any park, any, you know, church facility, they all have these massive parking lots or spaces or fields that are being really underutilized. And so we come in, we say, hey, what if we use these early in the morning and the evening, maybe on a Saturday morning when nobody's using them, and we strike up some really great partnerships um, with these facilities that want people at their facility, but also see the benefit to the community and it works out really, really nice. So, yeah. For this kind of fitness, what's the male-female breakdown? It's about 75-25. Yeah. 75%? Female. Female. Yeah. Now, we're always looking to get... Why is that? Right. I know. Not we're... that that's bad. <laughs> but it what's is, that about? It's really, really interesting because it seems to be that the females are more open to trying things, especially like in a group type setting, and especially when it comes to fitness. And so generally what happens is the female signs up first, and then finally, after a month or two, she finally convinces her spouse or her boyfriend or her guy friend to come join her out there. And then he ends up falling in love with it as well. And so it's just one of those things that it's interesting that like the females, I think in general, are a little bit more used to those social settings. Um, or they're more comfortable with it. But once the guys get out there, they love it. And they love to compete and be challenged and the team aspect. But, yeah, it's a little bit more difficult on the front end to get the guys out there. I imagine 
you probably have some idea, a Gold's Gym or a Planet Fitness, are they closer to 50-50 or they skew more male? They, they probably do skew a little bit more male, and that's probably because those settings do more individual-based workouts. Um, and so men want a more individual experience. I think because that's all that they've known um, for decades, right, is like, okay, the way to work out is to go show up to a gym, go lift a couple weights on your own and leave, right? Plug your headphones in, do your own thing. But like I said, people are bored with that. People want to be outside. They're inside all day. They want to be, you know, with community. They might not know that because they've never experienced it. Um, and so that's like our goal is to get people out of the gyms. Um, now, some people have a lot of success in gyms. Some people have a great routine and it works well for them. And that's fantastic. But a lot of other people, obviously, if you look at obesity trends in America, it's not working for the majority of people. For whatever reason, women know, like, and it might be because of the way they're feeling, that they need, they need something in their life to keep them feeling good. And I think that men realize that as well at some point, and it might be a little bit later on in life. Um, we have a lot of working professional women that come to CG. That's really the majority of our clientele. But I think it's, you know, them like realizing they want to take care of their body and that if they do that, then they're going to be successful in other areas, including work, including relationships. And so, um, and I think also, too, when they don't have that, it's it's challenging as a woman to not put on weight, you know. Um, they generally have a higher percentage body fat just naturally. And so if they aren't doing those sorts of things, the weight can pack on. It can be very difficult. I mean, men struggle with that as well. But, you know, maybe society's pressure, uh, you know, a little bit more on women to stay fit, you know, also plays into it. I'm not sure. But I definitely think that... You know, the women realize, I need something for me. I need to take care of me so that I can give into others. And, you know, especially like when you become a mom, I've got two young kids. You realize like most of your day is serving other people. And a lot of our female campers say, man, this is the one hour a day that I get to serve myself. And so I think that that's really powerful. You spoke of pregnancy recovery somewhere. <laughs> That's a motivating factor yes. for a lot of people. And you're doing it as a CEO, as somebody who is involved in all kinds of crazy fitness things yeah. on your own time. Has that been a challenge? Uh, for me personally, when yeah. I had my babies? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's I have a two-year-old and a one-year-old, so they're, <laughs> they were back-to-back. -back. Uh, they're, they're really young, and so... The crazy thing about all that is, like, you're used to your body, you know, in a certain way, like, especially in your 20s, right? And uh, I'm 35 now, and so it was, like, the first time in my life where, like, man, my body, like, you've got a big belly. You put on a lot of weight, right, because you're growing a baby inside you. And, um, and so you don't, for so many months, you don't feel like yourself. And so for me, after I had my babies, I'm like, man, I got to get back to me. Right. Because I've been carrying around this human for 10 months. Right. And, um, you know, at least for me, I was motivated to get moving, to start working out again as soon as I could afterwards, because I'm like, I, I want to get that feeling back where I can be, you know, agile and I can feel better and I can move the way that I want to move. Um, but, you know, this just the time constraints of being a mom and especially if you're a working mom. Whew. There's that's challenging. So, and so a lot of moms don't lose the weight, you know, because uh, life gets busy. And so we've been an outlet for a lot of those moms to come and find the accountability that they need, 
to find really the encouragement they need to start on the right track. Because once you get in the right routine, you're golden, right? But it's about getting in the routine. And in order to get into the routine, you have to like what the routine is. You have to kind of start to look forward to it and crave it. Um, so that's, I think, a really important step. Could the 35-year-old you do what the 25-year-old you did on American Gladiator? <laughs> uh in terms of the physical accomplishments? Could you win that thing now, if they did it now? Uh, well, I got a hurt knee right now, but uh, right. Well. <laughs> no, I think that uh, a couple months ago I did CG Games and I competed in our fitness competition. I did pretty well. I think that I, I could have won the thing again. Um, now, I probably would not have beat my former 25-year-old self, but I think there's something inside of me, this competitiveness, that like if there's something on the line and we're competing, I'm going to want to win. And I'm going to find a way to get my body and my mind in a place where I have the best shot possible at that. And so, yeah, I think the 35-year-old Allie could have won American Gladiators again. Reality show fame is notoriously fleeting. (laughs) (laughs) Have you found that, eh? (laughs) Are there still people interested in the American Gladiator part of your story? Or was getting past that and spending the money to do this, to create this, part of that, I know this isn't going to last forever. So my husband and I joke, we're like, man, we sure have squeezed out every ounce of publicity and PR out of that uh, American Gladiator show over the last 10 years. And that is the honest truth. Uh, You know, we were given an opportunity and we said, hey, we're going to capitalize on this opportunity. This is once in a lifetime. There's so few times in life where you get a chance like that. And so we, we took the ball, we ran with it. And It's been helpful to start the business, but it hasn't been the reason for the success of the business. The reason for the success of the business has been our hustle, our grit, our determination, our passion, and partnering with amazing people. And so, um, yeah, that's what's gotten us to where we are now. Um, What's funny is that nowadays I get recognized way more as being the CEO of Camp Gladiator than I ever did being on American Gladiators. And so it's kind of cool to kind of see that, you know... um, happened because you know millions of people watched that show and uh, we got campers all over the nation but they say hey are are you Allie from Camp Gladiator I'm like yeah (laughs) is it weird now that you were on a reality show with Hulk Hogan very weird (laughs) just to wrap your head around that yes so we um we occasionally get asked by people you know tell some stories back from the show and it's so funny like I mean, this, the thing I always love to point out is my husband wore spandex for six weeks filming this show in L.A., right? And um, this, just these crazy gladiator games we played. But, yeah, I mean, the way I look at it was it honestly felt like a dream. Like, we got married. We went on our honeymoon. I tried out on my wedding day. Right. And a week later, I'm doing the audition, which was like a six-week audition, six-week filming, I'm in LA for like 12 weeks and <laughs> I'm like, is this, is this happening? Like, is this real life? And so when the finale, the, when we filmed the last uh, finale episode, when I won the grand championship, it was so crazy because I won and I'll never forget it. It was like 5 p.m. I won that day. We went out, we celebrated that night. We had a big party. We went to dinner. The next morning they had me on a flight back home at 8 a.m. Back to my and I was back in my normal job, sitting at my normal cubicle by 12 p.m. the next day, and I could not tell anybody what had happened. Right, and so 
I'm just like, I'm like, did that happen? Was that a dream? Like somebody pinched me. Was I just playing gladiator games and hanging out with Hulk Hogan for all those weeks? Like what in the world? It was a whirlwind of emotions just going from that high to then, oh, you're just dropped back into your normal life. Um, and I actually look back on that. And I'm glad that happened because it just put this like feeling on my heart that like, man, I'm supposed to do something with this. Right. And that's where the idea to create, you know, Camp Gladiator came from. But yeah, it's it's such a crazy whirlwind of emotions that happens during that whole time. <laughs> One of the things I didn't really know existed until a couple years ago, and I saw there was a ramen place in my neighborhood that was part of a chain. And when I was looking at that chain, it took me to a page that had 75 Christian businesses, businesses that run themselves a certain way. And it yeah. was an association of them. And I didn't even know this was a thing. <laughs> you apparently are not shy about this is a Christian business. What does that entail and what does that look like for the rest of us? Yeah, so we're what we say is that we are a business um, in which the founders um, try to build the business based on biblical principles. Okay. Um, we are Christians, my husband and myself, a lot of our, you know, founding key players of the company are Christians as well. And we, we love that we live in a country where we can say that and we can say, hey, we're going to run this company as best we can, um, you know, on biblical principles of which the main one that we can all agree on, regardless of your background or your religious beliefs, is really to, to serve others, right? And so, and to treat others how you would want to be treated, Right. And so I think what people respect about us being pretty upfront and open about um, our beliefs is that they can say, you know what, like, first of all, thank you guys for being transparent. They know what they're walking into. They kind of know what we represent. And we always say, hey, you don't have to be a Christian to work at Camp Gladiator. Absolutely not. You can come from any background, any beliefs. Um, obviously, our campers come from all kinds of backgrounds. We say this is a welcoming, warm environment where you're going to feel loved. Um, and we're going to do our best to, like I said, treat others as you'd want to be treated and to uh, to serve to serve other people. And so I think people like appreciate that. And they've come up to us, even if they're a different religious background, and they say, hey, thank you guys for just letting me know what you stand for. Um, because I think a lot of times, especially today, people won't really tell you maybe who they are, what they stand for, what their beliefs are. But if you can come out and be, you know, upfront with that and honest with people, I think that they... They appreciate it. On the CEO level, it changes things how? Do you not take certain opportunities? I mean, what does that look like? Yeah. Leadership-wise. Man, I'll tell you what, that is a great question. I think it changes everything about the way that we look at things. Because we look at something and we say, are we doing this thing because of the right reasons? And for us, that's our mission statement, that we want to positively impact ultimately the lives of as many people as possible, right? And so we look at something we're saying, are we doing this because of our own success or recognition or short-term gain? Or are we doing this because it really is to serve other people and accomplish our mission? And so <clears throat> when you look at it from that framework, sometimes you're like, man, we're not going to do this because maybe it's not the best things for 
our trainers or our mission or our values of our company, right? Because we also have core values like integrity and teamwork and loyalty. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes you end up making the harder decision, but I think the harder decision is what is better for the company and the people in the long run. And it just means making a lot more short-term sacrifices, really. Short-term meaning, give like, me an example of that. Where? Yeah, financially. Okay. We uh, we didn't take, my husband and I, <coughs> a dime. We didn't take a paycheck for the first seven years of the business because we were reinvesting everything back into it because we believed so much in what it could be to other people. We believed so much in the impact that it could have on campers as well as trainers to create this amazing company and amazing platform that we're like, you know what? We're not in it to just make a paycheck. We're not in it so we can build it up and sell it. We tell our our company all the time, we're like, we're in it for the long haul. Like, <laughs> you know, like we're here um, because it's not about the money to us. It's about helping other people. And when you hear these stories of transformation, I talked to four campers the other day. All four of them had lost 50 or more pounds with CG. It completely changed their life, gave them confidence, you know, helped them to, to heal from some brokenness they were dealing with in their life. And you hear these stories and you're like, this is so not about me, right? This is about these people that need CG and that need this community. And so you're like, you know what? Yeah, I hope one day that we get financially compensated from the hard work. But at the end of the day, that's not what it's about. So, I imagine one of the challenges, and again, I'm guessing, is that there is a reputation built mainly around gyms, I would imagine. They're fly-by-night. They lock you into contracts. They assume that you're going to sign up in January, maybe come a couple times, never come back. Yeah. And people leave with a negative impression of the industry. Yeah. Is that all true? I mean, is, is that all something you have to battle? So I think you have to look at like a big box gym, for example. They have a limited amount of space. They are literally in a box, right? And so <laughs> they they don't have unlimited treadmills and unlimited ellipticals. And so, um, and, and you know, there's no, I'm, I, I don't want to, you know, downplay that because there's a lot of benefits that come from people working out at gyms. But at the end of the day, no, they don't want everybody to show up to the gym because they have limited equipment and limited right. space. And so, yes, they are trying to sell as many memberships as possible, kind of hoping that you don't show up. And that works for most gyms. If you look at the amount of members they have compared to the amount of people that show up on a daily basis, people would be blown away, right? And so they basically are making money off of people's uh, apathy or lack of use, right? Netflix is their friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so on the total flip side of that, at CG, first of all, we have unlimited space. Because if you show up in a shopping mall at the Arboretum parking lot, I've got hundreds of yards of space, unlimited space that we can use, right? So that's not an issue. And then we have convenience of locations all over town, so that's not an issue. But not only that, we want our people to show up because that's how we form the community of CG. That's the secret sauce of CG. And so our trainers are constantly texting, calling their campers, holding them accountable to show up to camp because number one, we want them there. We want the energy. We want the bodies because that's what creates our mojo. Um, but we also want people to see results. We know that- Because that's it, the only way they sign up again. Exactly. If they stop showing up 
we have like the data on they are for sure going to be canceling in the next 90 days. Right. Right. And so our way to combat that is say, hey, let's get you to keep showing up. <laughs> like, not only do we want to impact your life and have a relationship with you, but we also don't want you to cancel. And so we want you to get out here and stay active and get into the routine. Right. And so we tell them, hey, let's try to get you two to three days a week of coming out to camp so that it stays in your routine ultimately drives the results you want to see and that's what's going to keep you happy and coming back um but you know you can't blame a big box gym when that's the business model you know they've got limited space as you move into other cities and other states how is texas different the way these things operate the yeah. people you work with do they understand it maybe more here because we have a history whether it's particularly in Austin early on, whether it's Run Text, then Lance, then yeah. Outdoor Voices, or whatever it is, there, there's this industry here. Is right. it different other places I as would you move to other places? Yeah, I would say for sure the Austin uh, community is just phenomenal. I mean, people here love fitness. It's also a great space for technology, and you know, technology is a big part of our platform as well. So people are active here. That's helpful. And Texas is great, really, because of the proximity to our headquarters, as well as the majority of our leaders within the company. And so if it's within a drivable distance, it's just easier for us leadership-wise to recruit trainers and bring trainers on board and that sort of thing. Now, the other biggest component is weather, right? And so we, we have yet to tackle the northern states. Uh, obviously, because we're an outdoor company. Um, but ironically, Denver, our Denver market, um, we are there. They are doing the best nationwide for us right now. Uh, they move all their locations indoors for about three months during the winter. Okay. And that's that's actually, they're doing really well. Because they have to. They have to. <laughs> now, in Texas, we don't have to. So sometimes we're out there in 40 degrees and, you know, sometimes campers, you know, will use that as an excuse. But I would say... For the most part, people, once they taste a little bit of the workout program, they taste the community of CG, they want it. They bring their friends, right? They start telling their neighbors about it. The hard part is in the new markets, you know, like Charlotte we're moving into, we're going to move into Atlanta next year, is getting our name out there. Because people know 24-Hour Fitness, they know Lifetime Fitness, because that's just what has been around. Uh, we have to get them, come, you know, seeing our name repetitively before they'll probably give it a shot. Um, so it's name recognition, brand awareness. Once they get out there, generally that's how we grow is through referrals. Uh, but also we have to put our leaders on a plane generally to fly out to Atlanta or Charlotte mm. to start that city. And that's really the hardest obstacles because then we got to travel. Time management wise, is time management the hardest part of being a CEO and a mother and somebody who wants to do the kind of athletic things you do? <laughs> Yes and yes. <laughs> you are smart uh, for knowing that that already was the answer. I battle with it every day. Every day is such a battle because, you know, you get pulled in so many directions of, you know, with marketing, with, the, you know, all of our trainers, with, you know, for me, leading workouts or doing the PR. Oof. Um, you know, and then there's the whole headquarters side. And luckily, you know, I'm co-CEOs with my husband, and he handles a lot of, like, the, the finance and technology and legal and accounting because, gosh, not only am I terrible at that, but <laughs> I don't want to do it, and I don't have the time to do it. 
Yeah, it is. It is the biggest challenge I've ever faced in my life um, is trying to juggle all that. Have you found any shortcuts? I have found a philosophy that um, I have adopted and I'm trying on a daily basis to implement. It's uh, essentialism. So I don't know if you've read that book, but essentialism basically means... This is different than Marie Kondo, right? (laughs) Well, I'm not sure. Uh, It essentially is do less, but do it better. So learning to say no to things and really spending your time thinking about what are the things that really and truly are top priority that you should do and not saying yes to everything. In fact, pretty much having no be the default answer to most things and only letting the things that you say yes to be the things that really add value, really have impact, and that you love. And so I try to embrace that on a daily basis. It's hard um, because you don't always know, right, the right thing to do. And it's pretty easy to say when you have a bunch of opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, and then like, as the growth has continued, more stuff gets thrown on your desk. But that's why, like, me practicing essentialism of, like, I'm going to do less stuff, but I'm going to do it better. That's our goal. Um, so that's been helpful. All right. Thank you. Yeah. You can find more on Camp Gladiator at campgladiator.com. They've also partnered with the Texas Rangers for a stadium takeover event happening at Arlington's Globe Life Park on Saturday, March 2nd. Meanwhile, over at texasmonthly.com, you'll find our March issue, which charts Bucky's path to world domination. We'd love it if you'd consider subscribing to our show, leaving a comment, or rating it wherever you found us, and maybe even telling a friend. I'm Andy Langer, working with producer Brian Standifer. Thanks for being here, and thanks in advance for maybe coming back next week. Thank you.